1: G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G Science Fiction, Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1373, which is entitled, A Siege in Time Saves Kinds. Our podcast title is Potters. I am Rob Chan.
0: And Megan McHugh.
1: And here we are in that strange little scale gap in the sandworm between Christmas and New Year probably chafing a bit like sand in there. So if you happen to be a, a shy Halud, a great or little maker out there, just roll that bit of the segment away from the irritation. <laughs> ah, well, we have been to see June.
0: Yes, the much-anticipated film that we've been waiting for for at least a year after it was delayed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the hype was building and building, like a good old sand dune over time, as the winds pushed more and more <laughs> <laughs> breathless anticipation onto the pile. And I think uh, it was a, a relief, actually, to finally trot along. What did you see it on the big, big screen, Rob?
1: I saw it on a, a gold-class screen, Ooh. which was reasonable, but, that's, you know.
0: B- that's very classy, nice and reclined.
1: <laughs> well, you see, this is the thing. Even though the, the gold-class screens aren't as big, or at least where, where I was, they mm. weren't, they – you're much closer to the screen, <laughs> yeah. so, you know. It's, it's still immersive. Yeah, I, I thought so. Apart from – you could hear people eating away, which I don't much care for at the cinema. <laughs> but, you know, I just figured we we're in the siege. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm guilty of of that transgression. I went along to IMAX. Mm-hmm. So it was actually pretty i saw the 2d imax and i was glad i did i do think it is worth the um if you want to see the extra bits down below and up top and on the sides it's pretty good so
1: you had the full mélange spice smell being thrown into your face
0: indeed i was in one of those little tents under the dune fully immersed
1: oh actually if you want to have your own sort of like 4d screening take along a little stick of cinnamon
0: oh yeah break
1: it under your nose and just have a little yeah yeah. well we've got our our still suit face masks off and our mm-hmm. nose filters out mm-hmm. and you know we've done this before so we've got our desert boots worn yes. <laughs> slip, slip fashioned and <laughs> oh, wow well we have done quite a bit of coverage over about the Dune phenomena over the previous weeks
0: yes indeed
1: we've talked about all the different incarnations mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: film and television and and Virtual, by which I mean Jodorowsky's one that never got filmed, yeah. and we've talked about the original books too, Frank yeah. Herbert's book from '65, and the various sequels to that, and the prequels and the sequels by his son Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, and so here we are. With uh, now, you give me the name, the new, the director <laughs> oh. of the moment.
0: <laughs> yes. Denise Villeneuve, I believe, uh, is the name. And, yes, so he has been working his way up to Dune. His previous films released uh, were he's helmed Blade Runner 2049, also Arrival, and he did say that he's had his eyes on Dune for a while and he actually did Arrival and Blade Runner 2049 as a bit of a foray into doing science fiction epic so he could, you know, brush up his skills and be ready to tackle the... You know the mammoth that is June, and Mm. those are both exceptional films in my opinion. Um, And he's also directed the exquisite Sicario, which is um, has Mm. Emily Blunt in it, and Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal, and Prisoners, which also had Jake Gyllenhaal. And um, having a mind blank, Hank Hugh Jackman.
1: Huge X-Men.
0: <laughs> In a very different role. Uh, and that is an exceptional film too, but a bit of a warning there. That one's pretty harrowing. Yeah. But, yes, Veleneuve has a really nice filmography under his belt and has been working away at Dune for a while and will now continue working on part
1: two. But we've also heard that he's getting the Guernsey to do Arthur C. Clarke's Rendezvous with Rama
0: Well, so he's clearly proven that he can tackle a science fiction epic then, hasn't he?
1: Well, he's also attached to direct Cleopatra.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) So he's going to be...
1: He's He's, going to have enough of the desert.
0: Yeah, I think he's uh, bitten off quite a bit there. But yes, so Villeneuve, I've really loved all of his films. I haven't seen Enemy, but uh, of the ones of his I've seen, I think they're... They're all amazing. I think it's because it's the combination of a big scope or a big idea, but he always pays attention to characters and story as well. That's my feeling on it.
1: And he's following yeah. in the, well, as we said, the virtual footsteps of Alejandro Jodorowsky, who mm-hmm. never got to do his one,
0: yeah.
1: uh, David Lynch, of course, Yes. and John Harrison, who was the creator behind the two Dune Sci-Fi Channel miniseries mm-hmm. back in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. Uh, And John Harrison was the assistant director to George Romero on many Uh of his zombie movies. Okay. And he even played Sir Pellinor in the Romero film Night Riders. (laughs) So he actually had quite a few credits before he did that. And so, you know, this is the the, the complexity of this whole thing. Mm. Uh, And now I wanted to have a word about the more than one word, about Hans Zimmer.
0: Oh, I was hoping you'd bring him up mm. early on in the piece. Yes, mm. Hans Zimmer, who did the score for The New Dune.
1: Mm. Now, I first, I think, heard one of his musical pieces for the Space Rangers television series back in 1993, mm-hmm. which I really purely love that show. It was so corny, but it was fun. And he has worked with Sir Ridley Scott, yep. Gore Verbinski, Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. Michael Bay, (laughs) (laughs) Christian Nolan, Werner Herzog, Ron Howard, Neil Blomkamp, Paddy Jenkins, Zack Snyder, and even William Riker, which is to say Jonathan Frakes from Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) He has done Horror, Mm. The Zero Boys, and two other films for Nico Mastarakis, Mm -hmm. and, of course, the historical films The Thin Red Line, Gladiator. Mm.
0: Epic scores too. Like, those films were definite action, top of the pile of Mm. that era.
1: And Sherlock Holmes by Ritchie. And in the science fiction genre, Batman movies, Inception. Yes. Megamind. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Favourite of mine.
0: He is a, f- um, a Nolan collaborator. He's mm-hmm. a bit of a fave of, of him.
1: Toys, Radio Flyer, the Lion King adaptation. Oh
0: he's been working for a long time. Radio Flyer and Toys came out in the 90s.
1: Mm. Muppet Treasure Island. Ooh. I mean, you, when you when you do the Muppets as a soundtrack... You just You've you made it. <laughs> tra- one of the... trans, A couple of the Transformers movies. And so, yes, of course, he's worked with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman and the Justice League. <laughs> um, and... On the other side of the fence, The Amazing Spider-Man Two, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Phoenix, wow, well, mm. uh, and uh, also did Interstellar, and that's a great soundtrack. It's too. an
0: amazing soundtrack,
1: yeah. Uh, Chappie, oh. and of course, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah. So he's got form there. But of course, his finest hour when he was not actually when he did a score, but when he produced. Raman DeJawadi's score for Jon Favreau's Iron Man. <laughs> Need Iceland. A
0: fave here on Zero G.
1: Yes. So he's done, gone above and beyond for the Dune soundtrack. He has folded space mm-hmm. and done several soundtracks worth of music, yeah. uh, both for the two motion pictures because Dune has already been green lit. And he's done music for that to inspire the director.
0: I love that. He's so, and this is the thing, he's a big fan of Dune. So this is a project that he has pursued. He really wanted to work on this and he actually turned down the opportunity to work with Nolan again on Tenet Mm. uh, and do the score for that. Which I mean, tenant ended up having a fantastic score, so I think everything worked out okay. But <laughs> Zim has been turning down opportunities to get a good crack at June.
1: Yeah, and he's done some soundtracks for books, Ooh. spin-off books from June, uh, the Art and Soul of June, one of those you know yeah, nice. pre-production books, yep. and the June Sketchbook, and they're magnificent. So he's like taking some of the motifs and themes from the soundtrack the formal soundtrack for the film and then expanded them into what I call (laughs) sandscapes. And they're magnificent Mm. pieces. Probably a bit too long, although I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've played tool, so (laughs) and you know, I can just imagine reading the book and listening to these as I'm
0: That's a lovely idea actually, like the immersive art paired with music. I really dig that he's done that.
1: So he's following in the musical compositional footsteps of Lynch's Toto Mm -hmm. and Graham Ravel and Brian Tyler, who did the June miniseries, uh, sort of respectively. Brian Tyler's soundtrack for Children of June, you heard a bit of that at the start of the show today, Mm -hmm. and that was the main title of House of Treaties. So glorious. And that actually belies what happens to House of Treaties in Children of Dune, which is not mm-hmm. a good thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it has that momentary swell. We have, yeah. we have, and I suppose it's a spoiler, we have bested every, all of the foes who were sent against us and here we are, we are now at the centre of the galaxy mm. and this marvellous sort of swelling, uplifting thing and it all goes pear-shaped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As it so often does.
1: Yes. All right, so I've given you a little bit of a riff there and let's hear a track here from the new... Denny, I, I, I get...
0: I mean, I say Denny, but I think it's... You could probably say Dennis is okay. He'll forgive us. We're Australians. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Dennis. Dennis Dune <laughs> oh, movie. And it's just called Dune. Lovely. You know. Classy. And this track in particular is called Ripples in the Sand. This is by Hans Zimmer from the Dune soundtrack album. Or if you read the poster, quickly it's sort of like... Uh, Gnook. Because they've cut off the the bits, the uprights on the on the D and the E at the yes, end. Yes, and... the
0: stylistic vibe. Oh. <laughs> this is Sir Derek Jacobi. Zero
1: G or not Zero G? That is the question. Oh, <laughs> I really like that little advertisement there because they're talking about makers, mm. and we are talking about makers here on Zero G. Triple R today. We are zero G, and we are talking about Denis Villeneuve's Dune.
0: Yes, the long-awaited Part One, as it is so keen to stress, uh, in the very opening credits. And Part Two has already been greenlit. No surprise there, and that will be out in October twenty twenty-three. We hope, All, all going to plan.
1: Now I'm going to try and do this like Lewis would in the Ant-Man movies, a recap. Because just in case you don't know what the hell we're talking about, Mm. this is the plot, more or less, of Dune. Set thousands of years in a future galactic empire, mostly on the planet Arrakis, or Dune, as it's commonly known, extreme desert world, where water is precious, and so is the spice, melange, which can be surface mined from its sands. Spice is highly addictive and is a strong psychedelic that conveys real powers over space and time. Mm allowing navigators who take it to either fold space or find their way through it, depending on the adaptation, because it varies, and thus facilitating interstellar travel. So it's sort of like an upper for truckers in space. (laughs) It also causes prescient visions amongst genetically engineered people and some people who are genetically predisposed to it. And in some circumstances, it allows those chosen ones to access their ancestral memories. And it turns your eyes blue, too. <laughs> also an anti-geriatric drug that can greatly prolong life. Oof. As if that's not enough, it's literally a much sought after spice for food and drink flavouring. My goodness. <laughs> a kind of super cinnamon, which is what it smells like. Mm. It's only found on the planet June, where for 80 years it has been mined by the house Harkonnen. Mm-hmm who have greatly oppressed the Fremen colonists in order to do so. In a complex bit of intrigue, this concession has been transferred to House Atreides, Mm. whom both the Harkonnens and the Galactic Emperor want to bring low. And so they deliver the fiefdom to Duke Leto Atreides as a cunning trap, setting him up to fail to harvest enough of the unthinkably valuable and critically strategic spice. Now, Duke Leto knows it's a trap, but he has no choice but to step into it, along with his beloved concubine, Lady Jessica, and teenage son, Paul, hoping that he can outwit his enemies. Now, read on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very good summary.
1: Hmm. Now, they filmed this mostly in uh, Jordan, and a bit in Norway. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Norwegian section was done for the, uh, the planet Caladan part of the film.
0: It looked beautiful. Like the contrast just between those Caladan bits and the Arrakis bits worked just as intended. It was pretty amazing.
1: They also did a bit of filming in the UAE mm-hmm. and in the main studios in Budapest in Hungary, mm-hmm. which is interesting because they uh, did the miniseries in Eastern Europe as well taking advantage of the actually quite remarkable production companies yeah. that are there. And I thought that one of the ways into this film for us, at least here on Zero G, was the magnificent cast. Mm, yeah. and we're, so we're going to go through that because like one of the Dune book's pre-borns, that is the people who are exposed to the pre-spice-laced water of life that makes a Benny Gesserit reverend mother, mm. Well, like Alia Atreides or Paul's son and his daughter, Leto II and Ghanima, Well, they carry in their minds the previous generations in their bloodline or indeed the previous reverend mothers. Mm. Poor Alia Atreides, of course, suffers from this in particular in Ch- Children of Dune, the third book of the series. Anyway, with me, my noggin is crowded with all of the other dunes I've read, Herbert's mm. novels some of the sequels and prequels, the two sci-fi channel miniseries, David Lynch's 84 movie, Jodorowsky's never filmed but still influential non-movie, mm-hmm. and now this new film. So yes. the characters played <laughs> by different sets of actors confusingly shift in worm-like lines, like like a mirror house trailing <laughs> off into the past for me. Yeah, yeah. So, so forgive me if I get confused with exactly which...
0: <laughs> I'll pull you up, Rob, don't <laughs> you worry, because I, um, I have read the June book, the first one, And seeing this film, I haven't seen any other June content, so I'm pretty fresh to it. And I do wonder what someone who hasn't read the book would make of the film and whether enough of the plot and story is brought out in that first film for people to grasp onto. So I'd be intrigued about that. But we should also mention too that part one only covers about half of the first June book. So we're really going in very granular here. So Rob, all the other extra context knowledge you've got, we'll have to just shear that away for now. Well, the
1: enchanter of this film is called, some people call him Tim, <laughs> playing Paul Atreides. Timothy Chalamet, the actor of the moment.
0: Yes, isn't he though?
1: Young, enfant terrible.
0: <laughs> what is your, how do you come to Timothy Chalamet? Because obviously, me as a millennial woman, I'm very well versed on Timothy's filmography. What's your sort of knowledge of him? I'm curious.
1: Only two things.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, interstellar, I think.
0: Was he an interstellar? I think he had a
1: bit part in that. Yes. Uh, and um, The King, where he played Henry yes. V, and which I rather despised. Yes, we didn't so... like that much on Zero G, did we? And I know he's playing Willy Wonka.
0: Yes, in- very intriguing choice, a young Willy Wonka.
1: So he's stepping into the desert boots of Kyle McLaughlin, who's like Twin Peaks and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing, and uh, Alec Newman, who was in the, um, the miniseries. And they're pretty big boots to fill. MacLachlan was a Dune fan of long standing. <laughs> <laughs> and so he felt very portentous in that role, like he was born to play it. But Lynch's film isn't all that great. Mm. So, yeah. you know, there's problems yeah. there. And the miniseries, you get a huge amount of time on screen. Yes. Yeah. You know, you and can
0: really sink into the role. And
1: Newman gets to play not just Paul Atreides, but Paul Moadib. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. very mm-hmm. complex in that. But again, that's a mini series; it's not on the big screen. Yeah. So I actually thought I thought Timothy did a pretty good job here.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, this is a thing. This June movie, as I mentioned before, is only at roughly half of the first book. So we're really just getting Timothy as Paula treaties. Yeah. So it's you know I'm on Caledon. I'm living my life. I'm sheltered. I'm rich. I'm you know got a lot of power. And then he's thrown into the new environment. And just as these sort of start things are starting to get interesting, is when. Um, the movie sort of finishes really so but I think in the time he's given and the amount we're given of him sort of sweating and having visions and all kinds of things I think he's great but this is the thing I knew he was playing Paul before I read the novel so when I read it I pictured Timothy Chalamet so I'm in a bit of a weird paradox there but so I of course think he did a lovely job
1: You had a vision. I did. (laughs) But
0: because I think the thing was, Rob, we were concerned after, well, I was concerned after The King. I was like, can he hold a whole movie? Can he be the front of a whole action film? Uh, because previously he's done a lot of dramas and so on where he's had supporting roles. So I was a bit worried, but I think he can. And I think Dennis thinks he can too, because he put a lot of Timothy close-ups in the film. So uh, I think he was a lovely Paul, and he's playing him a bit older. Is that fair to say? Because Paul's 15 in the book.
1: In the original uh, story treatment, um, not called Spice World, (laughs) but called Spice Planet, Mm. um, he was eight, well, yeah, <laughs> I think they were
0: right to <laughs> make him a bit older, and I think Timothy is a good mixture of you know he's he's youthful looking.
1: Alec Newman uh, was much older, so he played him as a, as an older right Paul, yep, which didn't quite work, but it also did, yeah. Uh, and Kyle McLaughlin, of course, was older too, so yeah, you know.
0: But it is a coming of age, really meant to be. So I like we still kind of have bits of him finding himself, quote unquote. How old is he? I. Oh, know. Timothy himself—he's yeah. probably like twenty-three or something like that.
1: Oh, okay, so uh, a sprog basically.
0: Yeah, he's—he's—he's he's, <laughs> yeah. ah. he's probably still get carted.
1: You know, I'm thinking of moments in the in the film that stood out for me in his performance, like uh, where he takes that last walk on the beach on Caledon before leaving mm-hmm. for Arrakis, and uh, meets with his father as yeah. well. I thought it's that was striking. pretty pretty good. Yeah. And he played the uh, Gom Jabbar test. Mm. Um, basically, it was acting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it was fine acting too. I mean, okay, scream. <laughs> 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 uh, but I thought he did very well there. He mm. relates well to the other cast members. He's got just that right sort of interaction with um, Jason Momoa. Mm, 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 And, you know, he... he does play as if he were the son of the Duke.
0: Yeah, like he's got a little bit of that I've grown up privilege but with enough of an edge or enough of a savvy that you're still on his side. Hmm. And you're right, I do think the power comes in his relationships with the others and his chemistry with the other pretty heavy-hitting actors in this piece. So I think the fact he has a good chemistry with um, uh, the actor who we'll talk about who plays Leto and – Lady Jessica and so on. I think that really helps.
1: And uh, and Deza Dennis, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Deza. Yep, as he will henceforth be known. Yep,
1: Deza Deza Storm. Um, he really leans into supporting the fact that Paul is the one with this terrible purpose. Yes, and you know things like the moment that Paul first sets foot on the sands of mm. Dune. You know, they they play that quite well, I thought. And also, again, and I did talk about this in in context of both David Lynch's uh, movie and the miniseries, that moment where they first step out onto June and the heat hits them, you know. I just like that sort of stuff. And I know this is very basic procedural but you've got to do it and they did that well. And I think that that Timothy was ably supported by the director and the music and all of the other aspects too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And he's, I mean, he's hes lovely. He's got the right look, right features, and his acting was lifted and I think met the bar that we're really striving for with a film like this. So, yeah. well done, Timothy.
1: Yeah, so much much improved, I think, upon from Henry V, anyway. Yes. And Rebecca Ferguson, because, of course, he's got to work well with his mother. Yes, Lady, their
0: relationship's quite important.
1: Lady Jessica, mm-hmm. Re- Becky Ferguson, um... She's the consort to Duke Leto, but not his wife.
0: No, but they are very much in love and, and you know, strong bond, faithful and trust each other, which I think is.
1: And do you notice that uh, Rebecca still wears her still suit mask at a jaunty angle, just like that hat in <laughs> Doctor Sleep, where she played <laughs> yes, the villain? Of course. <laughs> and she was in that space horror film Life. Opposite oh, yeah. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds.
0: Yes, that was a bit of a forgotten one. That it is, um, and she's of course been in the Mission Impossible films as well. Yes,
1: yes, and uh, Men in Black International.
0: Yes,
1: and she is playing Lady Jessica, but also a Benny Jesuit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a witch, as some would call them. But really, it's a, a matriarchal organization, a bit like a lodge club, <laughs> and they. Uh, Essentially, uh, the power behind many thrones across the Galactic Empire. Yes. And also playing their own long game of interbreeding great house bloodlines.
0: Yes, they're pulling a lot of marionette strings and whispering in a lot of ears. and they Lit- can't... Literally. Yes, exa- exactly. Mm. And I think when you finally get to see, because, you know, you see Paul doing some training and you see some of the skills he's trying to master. And then when you see Lady Jessica really take full flight and lean into her capabilities in the film, it's amazing. And I love they've made that character such a strong strong one in the film because I think she's very key and her relationship to Paul is very important. And you just want her to be kick-ass. And I think Rebecca Ferguson is a really classy choice. We
1: were talking about how in Lynch's June they backed off of the Benny Gesserit's weirding way. Yeah. And re- basically reduced it to a bit of the voice mm. and, you know, they just subverted it with the sonic guns and stuff.
0: Yeah, I didn't like that.
1: They did not do that here. Nope. They do not get anywhere near as much agency as they do in the miniseries because that's mm. long-term yes. sort of thing. Yep. Uh, but still, enough for me to appreciate it. And very, very important for my particular take on June's mm. core principle, and I've since found out that Frank Herbert thinks this too, mm. uh, it's a cautionary tale about becoming a messiah and that it's not a good idea. And mm. he spends the rest of the books... Showing you <laughs> no exactly one reads. <laughs> no one reads. That shows you exactly why it's a bad idea. You're right. And they lean into that in uh, the Children of June miniseries and that's actually my favourite take on the, sub- the subject so mm. far. But anyway, um, and so they do get the, give you the idea in this film that the Benny Gesserit have been on June before, preparing the way.
0: Yes, planting seeds of legends, planting myths and things with the people that live there, preparing them for the arrival. Uh, of the, I can't say it.
1: The Messiah.
0: The Messiah. There we go.
1: <laughs> Moa Dib, as yes, they call him, yes. the little pop hop mouse.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think the film does a lovely job of trying to lay out all of that and explain the roles and the things that have been working and happening before you know the actual time of the film. So setting up a bit of exposition, they're not too heavy handed with some of those things. I felt.
1: Mm. Look out for Rebecca Ferguson also in The Kid Who Would Be King. Oh,
0: nice. Where she
1: plays Morgana. Oh, she'd be great. So, yeah, she actually was really good in that. And uh, also in uh, Wool, which is uh, a US science fiction streaming television series, mm. which is based on the Silo series of science fiction books. You've probably seen that in the, sh- the shops, like wool and sand and wind and dust and rain and all this sort of stuff. Uh, she's st- um, filling very big Boots in the canon of June, actors playing Lady Jessica, uh, Saskia Reeves in the first miniseries, Alice Krieg in the second and uh, Francesca Annis mm. in, um, whew, in David Lynch's film. But I think – and she sits in there w- at the same level as the miniseries ones, I think. Mm. She's really quite mm. strong.
0: I think – as an actress, I really like her energy. It's not cold, but it's like, you know, she's not going to coddle you and give you a cuddle, but she, <laughs> I would trust her with my life. Let's put it that way. And I think that's what you want in a Lady Jessica.
1: Now, the Duke.
0: Yes, Oscar Isaac. Mm. He has not stopped working. He is in everything. I've seen so many things with him in it popping up, and I think he is a real – I mean, look, I have no frame of reference, but as the Duke – I think he has the perfect energy. Mm. Nice chemistry with Timothy, strong, clearly like a very empathetic character, but also you can tell he sort of knows what he's doing and he's going to lead with good, Mm. we hope. We have
1: to have, you know, the Duke may seem like a a bit of a patsy role. It's like the upright Sterling hero, Mm. but you really need him to establish that quickly. That he's much different from the Harkonnens. Yes. You know, that he cares about his men more than he cares about harvesting the spice. Yeah. Well, a bit of both, but, you know.
0: But it's also he's managed to build an empire using that kind of a leadership approach as well. So his position on Kaladin and he's made wind power and all of these other things using, you know, he's obviously very savvy and that his kindness shouldn't be seen as weakness is my take.
1: Hmm. He feels very much like a, a Scottish Laird in some respects because Caledon obviously is standing in for Caledonia.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's got the, the, the Scottish Isles energy.
1: Yeah, although in the original um, treatment it was called Catalan, so they were going for a more... Uh, Spanish. Sort That's of
0: fear. also yeah. I think I read somewhere because they talk a bit about bullfighting and other things. That there's talk of that kind mm. of being it as well. Oh,
1: and by the way, just mentioning while we're on that subject, they do very well emphasize the uh, Duke's father, Paul's grandfather, who mm. died fighting bulls. Yeah. So you know, it's rather in rather stupidly, actually. <laughs> So Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron from Star Wars, mm-hmm. he is going to be Moon Knight in mm-hmm. the Disney Plus series for Marvel. He's played Apocalypse in X Men Apocalypse, and he was in Annihilation.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. so good.
1: And X Machina. So you know he's got he's... the science fiction chops. Look, he's he's going up against previous incarnations like William Hurt in the miniseries, who I thought underplayed his Much role older. a bit.
0: Interesting. Oh no, he wouldn't have been old at that point, no, would he? No. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, 2000s, and Jürgen Prochnow, who was a great Duke Leto. Mm. But then he's played great captains before. Oh, mm, you know. mm, but mm. now, does Booty's on the other foot, and it's Oscar Isaac. And he, he did find, as we were saying before, not only does he have to provide the essential goodness of the Atreides, and he does that very effectively. And they do that with that big ticket scene of, yes. of the spice miner and the sandworm. And the,
0: the saving with the... The copters and so on. Yeah.
1: yeah. But one thing they actually omit is the banquet scene,
0: mm. which is. Oh, with the. You were mentioning, I think, yeah. a while back that you wanted to see that scene because it really shows the difference in attitude towards the water and so on.
1: Yeah. But they must. They went with the, the Thopter sandworms spice mining scene because that does show his. Yeah his humanity.
0: And it's it's much more action packed, so I can kind yeah. of see why they made that choice, but you're right, that scene in the books is a very good one.
1: All right. All right, well let's have a track here now. I won't play it all of it because it's very it's a fairly long track, and this is Paul's Dream. Now, this is actually from the soundtracks that accompany the art books. Oh, nice. So, this is uh, from the Dune sketchbook and it's by Hans Zimmer, Paul's Dream. Hi, this is Fraser Hines. You're listening to Zero G on Three Triple R FM. I played the companion to Patrick Trouton, the Second Doctor, the Highlander Jamie McCrimmon, and there can only be one. That's McCrimmon. Craig and Tour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put that little ad card in there for uh, for Jamie McCrimmon because I thought, you know, Caledon and bagpipes, and unfortunately I didn't have a bagpipe t- track.
0: <sighs> that was the best. Yeah,
1: June. <laughs> and that was Hans Zimmer's Paul's Dream from mm. the sketchbook Dune because he's done musical soundtracks for the spin-off books too. Wow. Now, we're going through the cast of the Dune movie and we're taking this at our leisurely pace because we're breaking the rhythm on the Dune so yes. we don't attract the worms. Uh, Josh Brolin playing yes. Gurney Halleck, who's supposed to be a lump of a man. Well, <laughs> there you go. But what was what was significant about this Gurney Halleck, unlike Patrick Stewart or P.H. Moriarty from uh, the Lynch film and the, the miniseries, mm. what was different about this guy? No balisette to, ah, to play. Did yes. you notice that? Yes.
0: No, they've removed the musical element. I think there's a, a throwaway line mentioned, though, isn't there? About mm. But no, no music for him, just the weapons.
1: I think that's sad.
0: I can see why they've done it, though. I can see that they need to do some trimming, and that includes trimming down some of the characters as well. Hmm.
1: Josh Brolin CV, Thanos and Agent K Young in Men in Black 3 and also the character in Jonah Hex and Cable from the Deadpool movies. There we go. That's it. <laughs> but he has the, the relationship with Paul as one of his mentors. He has several. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many mentors actually, Paul. This is the whole thing. He is a student. Yes. yes. Hmm. And I thought Brolin was fine. He, he bought it. He, he, he convinced me that he was who yeah. he was. And I have no problem at all with that.
0: I like Brolin in everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite biased. It's like you have to have
1: spice with everything, you have to have Brolin with everything. It's,
0: but I think he always <laughs> understands the assignment, as the, as the young people say. But I do. I think he, he played it right. He hmm. didn't go too big, he didn't go too bland. And he just always quite get, hits the right note. Sadly, not the musical note here, but uh, it was nice to see him do a bit of action stuff as well.
1: And they made him the straight man too, the guy who's, yeah. you know, smile Gurney. I am smiling.
0: Yeah. But
1: that's not Gurney Halleck. <laughs> He's the jongleer. He's the, uh,
0: yes. you
1: know, the troubadour. But, but here he was a
0: more of a, a serious, uh, mm. serious Gurney. Uh,
1: very important character, Zendaya playing Charney, the Fremen woman.
0: Yes. And if we didn't know she was important, about 20 visions of her later, we do understand <laughs> that, yes, she is important. Yeah. yeah. Um, well,
1: he, she's Spider-Man's muse, MJ. Exactly. You know, so. <laughs> and she's a dancer too, so it actually must be very difficult for her to break rhythm when she's walking in the sand dunes. Or <laughs> well, um, maybe
0: she's exceptional at it.
1: Yeah. And he, he, she is so important that they've shifted the narrative mm. to uh, – To her perspective, to Chani's perspective, Uh, here in this movie, it's a bookend. She's obviously going to play a big part in the second movie. Yes. And she plays a pretty important part here, instantly meshes with Paul's character in that sort of... um, mismatched way that yeah. we know it's like we know that from rom-coms mm-hmm. and
0: <laughs> we've seen this chemistry before yeah. but I do agree I mean I, I like that it sets up this energy of they're going to show each other their skills and you know she's they're going to form more of a bond and I think their chemistry is nice even though they literally don't get very many scenes together, which people made a bit of a hoopla about. Mm. But I think that it's all about the build-up. This is the thing. It's the same. We're going on the same journey as Paul where we have only snippets of this vision mm. and then when we meet her in the flesh, um, it's like, ooh, okay, now action is going to begin. Mm.
1: Now, Sharon Duncan Brewster plays Dr. Lee Keynes, the all kinds, you know, the imperial ecologist and judge of the mm-hmm. change on Arrakis from Hakonan to Atreides. We've seen it before in the Doctor Who special, The Waters of Mars, which is ironic <laughs> considering how precious water is on Dune. And, well, you know, look, I have no problem at all with the, the gender change. Yep. Because, let's be honest, the mini series and the Lynch movie, they were full of Westerners, basically.
0: Yeah. So we've made some steps in a good direction with this cast in general, I think. And I agree. I think the gender swap makes sense. No need for Lee Kinds to be a male. No. Can be... It's a great character in this film, and I think Sharon does a really great job. And I think it's a nice example of casting to the essence of a character,
1: the spice essence,
0: exactly. And uh, not having to stick letter by letter to the source material.
1: She's no Max von Sydow, but who is? <laughs>
0: and I like it's a different energy, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's that's the general.
1: They've actually they haven't boosted um, her part in this movie so much as just let you see it. Yeah. You know, so I think that's important. Charlotte Rampling is playing... The Reverend Mother of the Benny Gesserit, Gaius Helen Moham.
0: I would not cross her in this. I would not cross a Reverend Mother to begin with,
1: but... Does she, does she take her... Oh, Reverend Mother is a crossing everybody. That's like the whole thing. What, does she take her veil off in this? I can't remember. I think
0: she does when she's speaking with Paul, mm-hmm. but she's a formidable character, and I like that sort of sinister display of power from her. I think... Uh, she, I mean, you know, she's understate does a nice, understated but scary as hell job of Reverend Mother, kind of overseeing hmm. What, hmm. what's going down.
1: No stranger to science fiction either, but uh, we don't need to go into that now. Uh, Jason Momoa is mm. Duncan Idaho. That's just a, such a great name, isn't it? Duncan Idaho. That's good. It just breathes goodness and nobility and <laughs> and strength. You and know?
0: bloodshed. Bloodshed. And, bloodshed. and swords, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Our Aquaman who's been in the desert before in that film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Stargate Atlantis, where I first saw him.
0: Yes, back in the day, yeah.
1: Mm. Conan the Barbarian, a reboot of that and also Carl drogo in game of thrones and he's also been cast in apple tv's post apocalyptic drama series a sea
0: yeah i haven't caught that it looks tangentially interesting but Hmm. um his physicality is obviously a big part of you know his role here and i think he plays it well like his fight scenes are fantastic he's he, you know, he makes a real spectacle of it and I think that that's part of the fun.
1: He's yet another one of Paul's mentors mm-hmm. and the chemistry there is, is fine. Oh, he he yes. kids around, he's the experienced fighter. And
0: yeah, and he's like, Paul's like, can I come, can I come? And Duncan's like, no, you can't come. You know, that yeah. that kind of duo and I think uh, they don't hammer that nail too hard and they have just enough of it in the film.
1: And if you're familiar with the books, then you realise that there's some interesting things that can happen with that character. mm mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. if they end up doing. Could you imagine that? Uh,
0: well, I don't know how far. Not. No, I don't think they would. Uh, yeah. so, I know what you're thinking of and I don't think anyone needs to see that.
1: <laughs> not at this stage, Not anyway. at this stage. Okay, we've got Javier uh, Bardem playing Stilgar at the Freben Tribe. Seen him before in a lot of things, uh, as well as you will notice him in the currently screening or streaming being the Ricardos where he plays... Mm. Uh, Desi Arnaz to Nicole Kidman's Lucia Ball, and he is, he is, the husband of Penelope Cruz. So <laughs> yes. you know, I'm sorry, Xavier uh, to uh, cast you. Javier, yeah,
0: I think Javier, yeah. Javier, but uh, Xavier.
1: We'll call him Xavier like that too.
0: <laughs> He's a... I, I mean, I don't know what I'd envision for Stilgar, but I think that he. Plays it really well, and I look forward to seeing more of him in the upcoming in the second part. I hope, mm. and I like Javier by him. Mm. He's—I mean, what more can I say? I mean, still, guy doesn't get much to do yet, no. But Javier did a good job,
1: mm. and he has to be actually a, a quite commanding presence. And and the ones that they've had in the miniseries and, and Lynch's film have, have all been quite strong. Yeah. So it, it, it's important that they get that role because right. they're
0: warriors. You need to believe these people could slice you in half if they Mm, wanted. mm. And I think the the casting has reflected that.
1: Mm. Now, flipping over to the evil side.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. Let's look at the other dark side of the coin.
1: (sighs) Stellan Skarsgård.
0: Yes. Stellan Skarsgård plus fat suit. Yes.
1: Patriarch of the Skarsgård acting dynasty. Yes. So he's got his own great house, Mm -hmm. his his own. Mm -hmm. Baron Harkonnen. Vlad, as his friends call him, but he doesn't have (laughs) any friends. He has fiends. Well, um, so we've seen him before in King Arthur, the 2004 one, I think. Pirates of the Caribbean, Cinderella. And he is Dr. Eric Selvig Mm. in the MCU. He's in Girl with the Dragon
0: Tattoo as well. Yes, yes. The feature
1: one. Now, he's stepping into a very large
0: role. (laughs) Very, very large.
1: um, In terms of having to substitute for Ian McNeice in the miniseries and Orson Welles in the potential Jodorowsky one.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: And uh, several other people. Uh, What was his name? Kenneth McMillan, of course, playing the Mm. Baron in the David Lynch film. Now, those evil people have been played at different ends of the spectrum. Kenneth McMillan is way over the top in Lynchian body horror terms. Sure. And... You know the uh, the miniseries one has a lot of nuance, more yeah. time on screen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are uh, might be actually a spoiler at this stage. I can't tell you that. No, I won't tell you people about that. But um, he does actually embody the Baron in this. He just doesn't get enough screen time.
0: Yeah. I- I do like Stellan Skarsgard as a choice for this cuz I like when he plays more evil sinister characters rather than just like a bumbling professor but you're right he's got barely any time to hmm. to do anything or be that sinister cuz his scenes are very brief and but... and the the the, the fat suit thing and all the sweat and the eating, that's kind of just all he's given as a way to portray like how Hmm. excessive and gross this character is meant to be.
1: Yeah, look, we've talked about this before. It's a a very, very dated trope. It is. It it plays into that almost the – uh, anyone who is different in their body is going to be the villain.
0: And they've leaned on that quite heavily here because he's barely got – I mean, you see a couple of scenes of him doing orders and so on, but he's 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 meant to be grotesque and we haven't really seen much of Stellan get to act yeah. his being grotesque.
1: Ian McNeese is, is much better in the miniseries. He gets to be Machiavellian mm-hmm. and scheming and he's not all cackling all Maybe the we
0: time. can get something more of that in
1: Yeah, two. yeah. He's not the only one who gets short sh- – Shift here. Uh, not a villain though. Dave, oh yes, actually he's on the villain side. Dave Batista
0: mm.
1: playing um, Beast Raven, another one of the Harkonnens, who's uh, going to actually play the Kurgan in the Highlander reboot too. Oh for him. He is our Drax from Guardian of the Galaxy. We're much more used to seeing him with trees, no trees on Dune to no. apart from burning palm, palm trees, I think, at one oh, stage. Gosh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, so, yeah, you know, he does what he has to do.
0: Give him more to do. Like, it's a bit do. of a sad – I mean, I thought that Javier Bardem wasn't going to get much to do and I was proved wrong. So maybe some of these – dark characters get more of a run in the sun in the second film.
1: We don't get much of the uh, the evil Mentat, that's the human calculator on the Harkonnen side, David Melchian playing Peter DeVries. Not much of him at all. No. We don't see uh, Chang Chen much at all playing Dr. Wellington. No. Yui? as the soup Doctor, but at least he is being played by an Asian.
0: Thank God. I mean, what a low bar we've set for ourselves, Rob, in 2021. But you're right. Thank goodness.
1: My God, he was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He was in Red Cliff, Mm. Uh, you know, The Last Supper and The Grand Master. So many great films. Check him out in those if you really want to see him cut loose (laughs) in other films. And, of course, Thufa Hawat, played by Stephen McKinley Henderson he gets barely any time at all
0: oh, no. uh,
1: we don't see fade Ralphfa in this one or Princess Erlen or even I think Shadam the fourth
0: no they've I mean look I can understand it you've got to you know take care of the running time we need to throw in some more slow motion visions of Charney but no. um I I I think mostly the trimming I'm okay with Yeah. And I think they do get the main story across. So it is a shame if you're faithful to the book and you want to see some of these characters. Hmm. But I was largely okay with it at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. We are going to cover more of June uh, at a bit of a later date because this is a mighty film.
0: It is. And I think it's a true epic. And in this day and age, it's kind of fun as well to have something to go back to the cinema for Mm -hmm. and and see on the big screen because it will play so much nicer in that immersive setting. Uh, So I think, yeah, I'm keen to really take this one out and talk about it quite a bit. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we'll go out with another track from Hans Zimmer. And this is Arakeen Mm -hmm. from the June soundtrack album. Arakeen being one of the cities on the planet of Arrakis. In the original um, treatment, the star is called Arrakis. Ah. And the planet is just called Spice Planet. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm being very careful. I have not managed to say Spice World once, so
0: I did it. Also, a great film. Oh no, I
1: said it then. Also, <laughs> <laughs> a great film.
0: Actually, it's not that bad. It's, it's probably, I mean, re- retro, worth a rewatch. Hmm. Anyway, we digress. We digress. <laughs> um, yeah. June. Okay. Joe um, Brunatic.
1: Joe, yes. And look, to give you our our opinion of it on our zero G. Yeah. Nah, maybe scale. I'm a solid. Yeah.
0: Same. Like, this is cinema, guys. Like, film Nerve's films make me feel, again, excited. Well, I've always been excited about film. But it does, I think, elicit a bit of a response in people who are just casual film goers because mm. it's it's an epic. It really is. Mm.
1: They do all right by it, Dune fans. They can do better and maybe we'll see more in the maybe. second film. I'm pretty sure we will. I
0: saw everything it's... I wanted to see. I thought it was pretty faithful.
1: Okay. Well, actually, Marianne Faithful Plays the voice of Benny uh, Bene Gesserit in, heard in the background. In this, you so, but we don't have that here now. We have Arakeen. Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. Thank you very much to Kayla Larson, yes. our podcaster, who is taking a well earned break so yes. she won't have to listen to us <laughs> Robert <it> on.
0: <laughs> Thank you for all your hard work this year, Kayla.
1: Yeah. And that's it for Zero G with Arakeen coming up next.